Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe podcast. Today we are diving deep on the character of Ahsoka Tano as part of our Mandalorian Primer series. Did you see Ahsoka show up and were super excited and wanted to remember all the great things about her character? Did you have no idea who she was and want to catch up and understand what is going on with this awesome Jedi with the strange things growing out of her head? Paul, Hoppy, and myself are going to talk about all the great things about this character, what we know about her, and what we maybe can expect from her going forward. All that and more after a commercial break. We have no control over it. Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. Um, this is an episode I've been super excited for um, because Ahsoka Tano is one of my favorite characters. And I found out about Ahsoka when my buddy Paul kept telling me to watch what I thought was going to be this silly little kids show called The Clone Wars. And um, Paul had to twist my arm to do it, but finally I broke down, I watched it, I utterly fell in love with Ahsoka as a character, um, and I've been as excited as anyone else um, to have Ahsoka back and to, you know, I know a lot of people have been not knowing about Ahsoka and they want to know the backstory, they want to know what is it about this character that makes us so excited about her, um, besides just the fact that she's played by Rosaria Dawson and does really awesome stuff with lightsabers at night in a great scene. Um, so... Like I said, all that starts with Paul, and so I'm so glad that Paul can be my guest today. Paul, um, how you doing, and how you feeling about getting to dive into uh, Ms. Tano? Uh, first of all, very happy to be here, and on this particular episode. Second of all, you're welcome for <laughs> <laughs> for all the arm twisting. Uh, I've I've been the beneficiary of various other twistings of the arm from Matthew yep. myself in terms of watching, you know, having a good idea of of what I'm gonna enjoy uh, watching. I think Burn Notice is probably the one I can take the most credit for. That's, yeah, that, I would say that's number one. Yeah, yeah. that's way at the top <laughs> of the list, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, and, and just Ahsoka might actually be my favorite Star Wars character, and the, uh, the last season of The Clone Wars, I think, is my favorite and arguably the best uh, Star Wars content that uh, has ever been made. Okay, uh, for that's, me, that's it's a bold statement. I like yeah, that. I feel like it's on a level with uh, with Rogue One in terms of just quality of of production and so, sort of the the way just everything really comes together and and quality of storytelling. I guess is is the way I'd say it. Especially the last four episodes. That last four episode arc, I think, is just amazing. Certainly, I've now watched it three or four times, the lightsaber battle between Ahsoka and Darth Maul, who at that point is just Maul, I think is now be, may now just be my favorite lightsaber battle. Um, it, live it's action, epic. Live action, animated of any kind. It, it's so well done. Yeah, and it's both, right? It was um, motion captured by, um, I think, Ray Park, who originally played Maul, and uh, Lauren Mary Kim, who who's, um, she did stunts. Actually, recently I was wondering whether she did stunts as Ahsoka in episode five of The Mandalorian season two, The Jedi. Uh, mm-hmm. She did not. She did stunts in that scene as the, um, the magistrate, which I thought oh, was very yeah, peculiar right. that they would yeah. have someone who'd done stunts as Ahsoka do stunts on the other side of the battle <laughs> when it's like staff versus two lightsabers which is kind of the same except it wasn't a lightsaber staff right right Um, exactly so yeah anyway um that lightsaber battle is just amazing it is so and let's just start with a kind of general we're gonna get into some specifics but what is it that makes ahsoka your favorite character all right so the jedi are not perfect 
right? Um, <laughs> That's kind and, of the entire point of the nine movie series. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But at, at times, that's more apparent than others. In the prequel trilogy, I think it's very apparent, but it's not necessarily... Um, hmm, I'm not a huge fan of the exact way all that, that message is delivered, right? Yeah. In the Clone Wars, I felt like they did a much better job of communicating that and showing how... You know, these supposedly, like, peaceful warriors, um, essentially, they become generals in in a galactic war. And how that, you know, kind of maybe has a negative influence on them, but that they already maybe have been going down this path of, of not being so great. I mean, on you know, you can look at them and be like, they're basically a child trafficking ring that exerts tremendous influence at the highest levels of government. Which, you know, is totally not okay. And uh, fortunately is only um, a conspiracy theory in our own world, but is a real thing (laughs) in in the the galaxy. is not real in this world, but might be real in the galaxy far, far away. Right. But not in this world, just to be very clear on that. (laughs) To be very clear on that. Um, But they, you know, they they do go around being like, oh, hey, your kid's force sensitive? Let them come live with us. We'll give them a series of absolutes and then tell them that uh, only the Sith speak in absolutes. Now, you know, a lot of people think the Jedi are are kind of okay because they also do some good stuff, for sure, no doubt. And they've got a lot of uh, philosophical things that make a lot of sense. They make a lot of sense to me, right? I'd say it, it fits in with a lot of my own personal philosophy. But, you know, and also their mortal enemies are unabashedly evil and selfish and obsessed with power. Ultimate power, or no, unlimited power. I'm sorry. I even wrote it down to get the quote right and then (laughs) said it wrong. (laughs) Um, But so anyway, you get a character like Anakin Skywalker, right? Who sees a lot of the problems with the Jedi Order, their arbitrary rules, their hypocrisy. But then he's got this Sith Lord talking in his ear. So he ends up going all the way to the dark side and becomes a Sith Lord himself. And I think Clone Wars is a very powerful telling of that story compared to the... um, a little more uh, sort of jerky. I'm, uh, what's the what's the word I want? It, it's it, it is a very subtle story that requires a slow telling. Yes, and you can do that over seven seasons of television in a way that you can't do it over basically a total of nine hours of movies. Exactly, exactly, and not even nine hours. I think the movies are closer, to like two, two and a half each. So seven, mm-hmm. eight hours of movies, maybe. So you know the. the just the format of Clone Wars allows... it. It's the way to tell a story like that, right? There's all these amazing moments where... Um, and we'll, maybe we'll get into this more later... Where, like, Anakin does cross some lines sometimes because of his connection to Ahsoka, right? He's right. trying to save her in one spot. So he's like, well, maybe I'll just torture this guy a little bit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but so he, he goes all the way from, like, the Jedi who say they represent the light side to... The Sith, who I think pretty well uh, represent the dark side. But then you have Ahsoka. Yeah. And she has Anakin as an influence, but not Palpatine. Right? And mm-hmm. so she leaves the Jedi Order after... First she's kicked out after being framed up. Um, and... Framed up? Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's such a 1920s And just those a little trouble following... Way. Well, right now, just talking about kind of the general stuff, we're going to go into the details of all these moments. But I think it's important just to kind of start by kind of setting the general sense of what we like about her. So just that quick notes, but yeah, Paul. Right, ahead. exactly, exactly. I'm not, I'm not trying, this isn't like the primer. This is, yeah. <laughs> this is my super long-winded, really enjoy listening to t- myself talk way of explaining why I think Soka is like the perfect character for this universe. Yeah. Um, 
But so she's welcomed back, and then she's like, nah, I'm good, and uh, I'm not so sure you guys are anymore. So, you know, she doesn't go to the extreme of becoming a Sith or anything. She just kind of goes Ronin and realizes eventually that she can carve her own path with or without her twin lightsabers. Um, so, you know, more than any other Force user, I feel like she really becomes her own person. Very much so. Um, and I don't think it's coincidental that, you know, spoiler alerts for episode nine that at the end of rise of skywalker ray has a lightsaber that looks more similar to ahsoka's uh later blades right when she's she kind doesn't of have, ahsoka has this interesting fighting style of one short one long blade which Ray yeah. doesn't have but they're both right. that same whitish color yeah that yeah. that like clearly not not blue not green not red you know right. and and not mace windu purple uh, yeah. Does it come in purple? <laughs> but, you know, she can be reckless. She can be impulsive. But she can also be thoughtful and compassionate. She sees the clones as people more than a lot of other people do. And she's also just, like, a super badass. And, you know, we don't get a lot of female Jedi or Force yeah. users in general. And so it's really nice to see this just outstanding character who's female and and also is, I think, Togruta, right? Is that the... yeah. That's the yeah. race she's from. She, the, she has the um, Lika, I think they're called, um, mm-hmm. uh, that are the the head tails. Mm-hmm. And so I, I used to think she was Twi'lek. She's actually she's not Twi'lek. In this world, there's a in this universe, there's a number of alien species that have yeah. those uh, growths head out of their head. And, and hers is called her race is called the Tegruda. Right. So you know, in terms of representation, I I, I think she's also a great character in that regard. Right. Oh, yeah. But, um, and just regardless of any of that, I just think she's an amazing character who really just kind of provides what needs to exist, like a type of character that needs to exist in this world to kind of show that there isn't just the Jedi and the Sith, right? There's not just the light side and the dark side. You can, you can be your own person and still like have all these cool powers and, and be a total badass, but also be like a really thoughtful, caring person. Like, one thing that just occurred to me, I think she is the only true non-human speaking character who gets to be a, who gets to be a main character in, in a major part of the story. Like, Yoda is <clears throat> obviously non-human, but he's, I mean, he's an important character. He's, he's the side yeah. character, though. Um, right, Chewbacca right. is a very much a main character of the first three and the, and the, uh, and the sequel movies, but he's not a non-speaking role. Mm-hmm. Um, the droids you can talk about, but in terms of, like, alien races— I'm I'm having trouble thinking of another alien race character who plays as a major role in the story and who's so often a point of view character as Ahsoka Tano. I was I was going to say that she was the only one. Then I was like, well, there's Yoda, and I was like, well, yeah, but Yoda isn't. I mean, he gets his episodes right, right. in in the Clone Wars, but he's not a main character to the extent that he's a mentor character, right? That's clearly his role. He's never the primary protagonist outside of maybe an episode here or there right and and yeah i mean you know chewy it's like you know he's he's a sidekick right um and then i guess thrawn's not human right but um yeah he's another i mean he becomes a primary antagonist but he's in two seasons of the clone wars where's ahsoka uh, sorry two seasons of rebels right yeah so yeah yeah he's not a primary I mean, he's a primary antagonist for, like, two seasons. He's not a protagonist. He's not a main character for a long period of time. So I, I do think she's she's the only one that, that we've seen in um, in animation or in live action. Yeah. 
And I, I, I want her to have her own series in live yeah. action. Like, make make it happen. Please make it happen. I, I very much want that to happen. I also very much want Rosaria Dawson to play Night Nurse in the, like, bring back all the Defender type shows. Mm. And I think there's a couple other. So there's a number of projects that want Rosaria Dawson's got, attention. Got I hope, some stuff. I hope at least one of those busy. two, you know, Disney can, like, have those two fight over her. I don't know what she wants to do. Yeah. Um, as but, far as I'm concerned, like, they already did what they did with the 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 netflix verse but uh that's legit. that's that's, that's legit. a different conversation for another podcast and who knows I, she might have some totally other direction she wants to go and in which case course. you know god bless of course but i i i hear rumors that we're getting a lot more uh, ahsoka which is part of why i wanted to make this yeah and i think i, I share so. a lot of your same thoughts on why this character means so much to me i think um one of the things that i i find most compelling about her is a is her journey because and as we'll talk about um, I, I have anyone who's listened to any Star Wars universe podcast stuff knows that I am deeply fascinated by the idea of the Jedi and the idea of the Jedi's failings. Um, I will continue to tell people that I think Last Jedi is one of the best movies ever made in the in the Star Wars universe, if not in general, because I think it does such a good job of paying off these questions that were raised in these earlier shows about what are the problems with the Jedi. Um, that's a whole other debate. We'll get to that when we do that movie. But the point is, I like to explore what happens when someone says, you know what, maybe these rules weren't the best. And Ahsoka, I feel like, embodies that so well, as you said, you know, and that by, um, you know, I remember the first time I think that I rewatched some episodes and I wound up texting you being like, whoa, I can't believe that happened. Right. There's an episode in the last season of Clone Wars when she has lost, she's left the Jedi and her and Bo-Katan are interrogating someone. And he won't give Ahsoka an answer. You know, she turns to Bo and says, Bo, help him remember. As Bo-Katan, <laughs> that's right. like, holds a blade against him. And I was like, that's, yeah. that's not the Jedi way. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. And, and so I think that's fantastic. I think she's an amazing character. I also think she plays an incredibly important role in that she does the thing. In many ways, I think the reason why Clone Wars does what it does so much better than the prequels is it does it through the character of Ahsoka Tano. Mm. Because through the character of Ahsoka Tano, we get much more of an understanding of sort of moral quandaries and the ways in which the existence of the clones causes this crisis for the Jedi. Um, she at one point says, um, you know, I was trained to be a peacekeeper, but all I've ever been is a soldier. Yeah. And a lot of times she really struggles with the idea of being... You know, this 14-year-old Padawan who has control of armies of clones. Yeah, who's a military commander. like Right, exactly. And, and how that challenges everything she knows about what the Jedi are supposed to be. The other thing is that, and again, I, I think Natalie Portman's a fantastic actress. I think this is all bad writing and bad dialogue. The character of Padme, among other things, had to give us a human connection to Anakin mm-hmm. that helped us to understand... Like, the tragedy of his fall. Right. And because there was just never any chemistry between those two, because she was written so badly, that never happened. Yep. I feel like Ahsoka Tano gives us that. Because Ahsoka Tano is the one person who always believes in Anakin, who always defends him to the council, who always thinks maybe he knows best and Obi-Wan is wrong. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, and again, yeah, all the spoilers here for Rebels and, and Clone Wars... At, at, at the end of Clone Wars Season 7, and then even more so in Rebels, we see her come to understand that 
Anakin has become Darth Vader. And the emo- we'll talk about it more in a bit, but the emotional journey that she goes on of recognizing that, I, I mean, it brought me to tears both times I watched it. And I just feel like it, it, it made me connect, like, yes, the story of Anakin Skywalker is an absolute tragedy in a way that the movies never did. Yeah, I, I feel that too. Um, I think it... it there, there was... Like, there's supposed to be this connection between Anakin and Padme that is a big part of the reason that he turns, right? Right. And we know there's this connection because they tell us there's this connection. We don't see this connection, really, right? We're just told that it's there, and we're like, okay, I guess they love each other, right? But it it, it doesn't feel real. It doesn't it, it doesn't resonate to me. Maybe it does right. to some people, and that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm happy for them. I'd, I'd rather enjoy those movies more, but I, but I don't. And I feel like in The Clone Wars, where, first of all, Padme and Anakin's relationship at points makes more sense in The Clone Wars to me. Um, oh, yeah. It feels I think, more I think real. I actors more... had more chemistry. The voice actors had much more chemistry, if nothing else. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I'm how much of it's like chemistry between the performers and how much of it is like actual just words on a page that are better you know oh yeah i think of all that the writing and the directing has a big it's not just the actors agree yeah yeah so you know but whatever it is it it has resonance but the the relationship between ahsoka and anakin to me is is more significant in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways um and maybe some of that has to do with like i don't know my my worldview or whatever but um you know I feel like Anakin and, and Padme are, are supposed to be kind of, you know, the, theoretically they're interacting as equals. I mean, Padme met Anakin when he was a little kid and she was like a young queen, right? right. But so, I, I don't know, we won't get into that too much. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, but Ahsoka and Anakin, it's this, um, to me, it's kind of like an older brother vibe, you know, older brother, younger sister kind of thing. Very much so. And... It's it's playful and it feels real, but it also carries a lot of weight. And there's just uh, there's just a whole lot to the dynamic, right? That and it, it develops over the years. I mean, it's literally years, right? Of of TV of of animation series, right. and you know, in in the Clone Wars, I I think it's only supposed to be a few years or something between. Yeah, the the war lasts for about three years. Right, which which to me. That's actually like one of my least favorite parts about the prequel trilogy also is that I feel like like when I heard about the Clone Wars, I felt like it was supposed to be like decades long, you know, especially seeing how old Obi-Wan was and all that stuff. But fine. Um, (laughs) And then also, you know, years in space don't necessarily work exactly like the way they do on one planet because, you You know, know physics, cosmology. (laughs) Right. Um, But the point is, it's it's. It's a period of time, and we see a lot of instances along that period, right? It's not like there's a jump of three years, and then here we are, and it's Revenge of the Sith, and the war is almost over. It's like we see several steps all the way along that journey. And so there's just so much time for her to develop, so so much time for him to develop, and for their relationship to develop. And I think she goes from like 14 to 17 or so at the end. Um, You know, and... And she feels different at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Like the character develops a lot and Anakin's character develops a lot. And the relationship between the two characters develops a lot in a way that I think 
you know, I do want to credit the writers, the directors, you know, the animators, and of course the, you know, the voice actors, um, for successfully doing that because they could have failed no matter what format it is right but it is objectively just a better format for trying to like they had the space to do the great job that they did yeah and and so and then they executed on it definitely definitely so let's talk about uh let's kind of sketch out her history a little bit um and we'll kind of stop along the way and talk about key points um, and then get into some of the specific things about her character that we think are so fundamental and and then talk about what we expect from her or what we might, might hope to see of her going forward. So, and actually before I do the timeline, I want to just say something I should have said from the very beginning. Um, as part of preparation for this episode, I did a lot of reading and I also did some listening. Uh, and one podcast that really stuck out for me is by, is, is a podcast called Desi Geek Girls, D-E-S-I Geek Girls. I'll include a link to it in the show notes. They do stuff on a lot of great, um, they do stuff on a lot of great uh, different, media especially star wars they're both huge star wars fans um and and the the two of them especially did a couple of great episodes on season seven of the clone wars that i listened to uh i'm going to include links to them in the show notes for this and a lot of the sort of perspectives that i have were really influenced by listening to their things and they helped me to see some things i hadn't seen before so i want to make sure i just give a huge shout out to the two of them uh, and it's a great podcast. Folks should definitely go check it out. Um, and I think if if some of my ideas sound familiar, it's because I am blatantly stealing them from them. Hmm. Um, <laughs> including, I'll say, um, I definitely saw it before, but they really talked at length about that importance of the relationship between Ahsoka and Anakin. And I hearing them talk about it and then watching it again really drove it home for me. Um, but so we start with Ahsoka as a young Padawan. And at first, I think she's mostly supposed to be there to kind of show Anakin wrestling with this, that, you know, what is it like for him to be a leader? Uh, and Obi-Wan, like, you know, he believe it's an adage that, Paul, you and I have talked about before when talking about um, the project you do of Zen Madman, of the importance of teaching and learning. Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan has this idea of that Anakin can learn more about the Force and the Jedi by teaching someone else. And yeah. it's this interesting idea because Obi-Wan clearly is concerned that Anakin you know, he's not really towing the party line. And I think there's sort of this idea of if you have to teach someone else, now you have to take the rules more seriously so that you can convince her of them. And the result is Anakin is just like, cool, I'll get someone who questions things as much as I do. <laughs> right, right. And that becomes a major part of the, of the focus between the two of them. Um, and so over the movies, um, they work together a lot. There's a number of stories about her questioning Anakin and sometimes him kind of snapping back at her. Sometimes of uh, him realizing that he's wrong. And I think some of the most interesting episodes are we do, as you've said, get the moments where Anakin is starting to slip a little bit more towards the dark side. You know, he interrogates someone. He he lashes out out of anger. And Ahsoka is almost always the, the character who's there with him. Um, I described her as the sort of audience, um, the point of view character. And, and Paul, I think you described her as the audience avatar which is that's both, right, yeah. both are good descriptions. Um, and so, over, you know, over the course of time, she is clearly seeing the way he is making some questionable choices. And she's going through that thing. I think that a lot of happens when you're the student and your mentors making decisions that are questionable, where part of you wants to defend them and part of you thinks maybe they're right. And part of you is getting worried. And there's some really poignant moments that, that follow that along. Um, and, and she starts to question things more on her own and go out more on her own. Um, and especially she's one of the ones who most often raises questions about what people are doing. Um, there's 
So my favorite episodes uh, are where she and Padme travel to a planet that is a planet within the Separatist system. And she meets people who are part of the Separatist Alliance and realizes that they're not the evil, terrible people she's been made out to believe, that they have their own grievances, that they have their own point of view. And she winds up feeling really torn because part of her thinks, oh, they're all just being manipulated by the Sith, which to an extent they are, but but also that they have some real legitimacy to their concerns. And so she starts to really question what's happening with the with the Sith, with the, the war, and whether the war is right or wrong. Um, and the other main part of it that we that happens during all this is that she she really becomes a friend to the clones, especially to Rex, who is he's not the commander of the clones, but he's kind of the, our most common clone character we really get to know. And the two of them really, I think he's like a, a sergeant or a he's, he's a captain at some point. I mean, no, he's, he's a captain. captain yeah. He gets yeah. risen through the ranks. Um, and he's most often kind of like the liaison to them. And it starts in a very interesting place because she's 14. She's a Padawan and he's calling her general. And it's this, mm-hmm. it's an interesting dynamic. And I've spoken to friends in the military who talk about, you know, when a Lieutenant just graduates West point and is now in command of this 20 year veteran, you know, it's this kind of weird dynamic of like, I'm supposed to call you sir or ma'am, but still you're the one I know so much more than you. Um, and a really beautiful friendship evolves between Rex and Ahsoka but the most important thing I think here is that Ahsoka, more than almost anyone, recognizes the humanity of the clones and that the Jedi are just treating them as cannon fodder and that that's a real problem. Um, and uh, early in the war, she leads a mission where um, she makes a mistake and a number of the soldiers who are working, who are under her die. Uh, they're pilots in this case. Mm-hmm. And she's so clearly ridden by guilt in a way that most of the other Jedi doesn't understand. You yeah, know, I think that's that's such an important part of the story. Um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I agree. I feel like that's a scenario where a lot of a lot of the other Jedi or the Council or whatever, like, oh, that was reckless. That was you know strategically poor. You shouldn't have you know done that assault or whatever. Whereas she's like, no, it was bad because I I got my people killed. Right. You know, and and there's a weight there that we don't always feel kind of from from all of the other Jedi when when the clones are dying. I mean, and you know, there's an extent to which the clones were literally born to fight and die, which is just absurd, right? It's right. like their their lives have less value because they didn't have parents who like what, you know? Um and I think she sees the the hypocrisy in that and the you know, the the failure of of the Jedi and and the Republic to really take responsibility for that, and um, you know I mean Yoda in the very first episode kind of points this out, yeah, but then like doesn't really do anything about it, you know. Yeah, he he talks about how to him the clones are all these different individuals, but they still keep prosecuting the war. And right. I think she's the one who most asks the question like, what is this doing to us? Because. Mm-hmm. There's clear signs that a big part of the corruption or the the dark side spreading within the Jedi is that, you know, that they're generals in a war instead of peacekeepers, as she says they were supposed to be. Exactly. And I also just wanted to say that the separatists have their grievances and their grievances. So, Uh, yeah, well done. Well done. You're fired. Um, (laughs) So skipping ahead, I think the most important sort of like moment in her story next is towards the end of the fifth season. 
um, there's a bombing of the Jedi Temple as a way to protest the war. And she is framed for it and winds up being kicked out of the Jedi Order. Um, there's a great series of adventures in which she is able to prove that it wasn't her. It turns out it was another Jedi, uh, a Jedi who's fallen, who, um, because of the same kind of things, they think that the war is wrong, they think the yeah. Jedi are completely you know, wrong, and... Um, and Ahsoka, I think, really, it's a real chance to, like, peel back the the, the layers and see all the, the dirt that's under the, you know, nice, shiny face of the of the Jedi. Um, and she's really troubled by it. And I think, as you mentioned before, they offer her a chance to come back into the Jedi, and she says no. And she says, like, I just, I can't be part of this anymore. And there's a brief scene where she winds up teaming up with Ventress, who is a, um, in some ways, it was kind of her equivalent in that she was the Padawan, the Sith equivalent of a Padawan of Count Dooku. She leaves the Sith for similar reasons. And I think some of us had this dream of an Ahsoka Ventress Betty Cop show. Yes. Of the two of them as like force users who are on the run. They're not quite Jedi. They're not quite Sith. They're constantly bickering, but they're kind of like an A team and they solve people's problems. Like I still want that show in Canon. Ventress has died, but maybe they'll doing her back. I, I have hopes. I would love to see that because the, the episode of the two of them together is one of my absolute favorites. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it would be like the apprentices apprentices. Yeah. Um, although I feel like that word's dirty now anyway, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean the Sith way of getting rid of your apprentices apprentices, you're like, Oh yeah, you have to go kill them. Uh, the, right. The, the Jedi way was a little bit like, well, through our, um, you know, poorly conducted investigation and our <laughs> embarrassing failure. Um, exactly. The, the character's name was Barris. So yeah, I just, oh, yeah I'm yeah. here. I'm, I'm here for the puns. <laughs> I'm go. here for the puns. <laughs> um, one other little thing I should mention is that, um, there's a couple episodes in Clone Wars where uh, a young child, Boba Fett, is working with pirates to try and, like, get revenge for his father. Yeah. And Ahsoka's a big part of stopping him. Um, I don't know if it'll happen, but it, there might be a um, re reconnection between Ahsoka and Boba Fett that I think would be kind of fun to watch. Yeah, um, I mean, they could both end up on, on Team Mando at the end of uh yeah. And have some little uncomfortable, and... you know. Oh, right. Like, hey, weren't you that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but so anyway, so she goes off on her own and we don't see her much in season six. But then she comes back. And I, I think it's fair to say she's the main character of season seven because mm. primarily. 100%. What did you say? 100%. Yeah. The yeah. primary story of season seven is showing us. I mean, basically, it is what is happening with her and the clones during the events of uh, Order 66. And uh, during the course of the story, she winds up... Um, we first see what her life is like when she's not a Jedi and how she's trying to... You know, it's a very sort of classic story, very much a Ronin story. You know, she tries to just go her own way and keep her head down, but she gets... She becomes friends with the people and the friends are in trouble and so she has to help them. And it's a great series of events which ends up with her reconnecting with Bo-Katan. And Bo-Katan needs her help taking back Mandalore. Um, and this is where a lot of the events of the Siege of Mandalore, there's a whole other set of the story here that is very important for um, the Mandalore story. And we'll mostly keep that to its own episode. But I'll just say that she's very vital, and, and she'd been involved in some of the previous fighting over Mandalore. She's very much involved in Bo-Katan taking back Mandalore, um, helping to drive out the Separatists from Mandalore, 
uh, and then later Darth Maul, because at one point Darth Maul is in command of, of Mandalore, um, and really trying to, like, you know, helping to put Bo-Katan and her people sort of back in control. Uh, and that's where that epic fight with Darth Maul comes in. Um, and and let's just talk about, we'll get to the meaning of that, but but throughout this, this season especially, is where we really see Ahsoka as a non-Jedi Force user. Mm-hmm. Um, what sticks out to you about that? What is it about her approach now that is so very much not Jedi? Everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just just as far as uh, framing that season first, I think when, when the Clone Wars originally was canceled, I think Dave Filoni said that he had 12 episodes for Ahsoka planned. Yeah. Um, and it was actually three four-episode arcs, and two of them made it into season seven. Right. And then there was another four-episode arc that, to me, was basically to set up Rex as a mm-hmm. very important character and to sort of reestablish the clones as like, okay, this is why we're calling, calling it the Clone Wars, and set up the clones as people who mattered and so that the relationship between Rex and Ahsoka and the rest of the clones uh, would be very present in our minds and very heavy at the, you know, during Order 66. Uh, in terms of her approach not being kind of Jedi-like, I mean, you already mentioned the scene where she's like, um, uh, help him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> help what? Him remember. Help him remember. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, that. Um, she does actually, there was this whole thing where she's around with um, with the, the Martez sisters. Uh, and I think it's, that's it, right? Yeah. Pretty yeah. Um, and she's got like this bag and I'm like, oh, her lightsabers are in the bag. Take your light. They weren't in the bag. Uh, spoiler alert. And I was really surprised by that. But, you know, she goes around being a Force user, not using the Force very much, except maybe to help her not fall off a landing platform when she's crashing her speeder. Yeah. And, you know, stuff like that. And trying to kind of be a Force user, but in secret, which at that point maybe was less essential, but was mm-hmm. awkward. Right. Yeah. Later on, it seems like something more you need to keep under wraps when the uh, Empire is maybe going to hunt down and kill you. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it was just, you know, she's she's involved in this. Well, I think it was a spice run. Right. Yeah. And that wasn't supposed to be, but then was. And then it was all complicated. And, you know, she's just going around kind of doing kind of people things, but sort of a little A-team-ish. Right. I mean, not like A-team, but, you know. Actually, it felt very, very Michael Weston burn notice, yeah, actually. Right. Yeah, it's like, kind of like, right. I'm on the run, but I'm going to help you while I'm, like, caving one step ahead of people. Exactly, exactly. And and she wasn't even, like, on the run from anybody. She was kind of on the run from her past, I think. Yeah. Right? And she, that was before she, I think, really knew who, I mean, I said that she becomes her own person, and there, there's an, like, that's very true, but I feel like the whole, the entirety of Clone Wars is that process. And we don't get to actually see her as like a fully realized her own person until I guess, uh, you know, later down the road in in Rebels, which we'll get to. But, um, but yeah, it just, you know, the, the way she approaches things, I don't know. I think one of the most telling interactions in this is um, one of the things that happens is, so, so let me let me just sketch out a little bit more of that that story then, and then we can yeah. kind of di- dive more into it. Um, so during uh, all the stuff that's happening, they're wrapping up the Battle of Mandalore, 
And as we said, she has this lightsaber battle with Maul. She takes him prisoner. Um, during which time, he Maul is a very important character here because because of his connection to the Force and especially the dark side. He knows what's happening. Oh, he yeah. knows what's coming. And he actually tells her that he didn't want Ahsoka to come. He wanted Anakin to come. Yeah. Because he knows that Darth Sidious is going to turn uh, Anakin to the dark side. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so the idea of – and so he basically is the first one to tell Ahsoka, you know, your master is going to turn to the dark side. In a way that I think really kind of parallels and maybe even does a better job of the, like, Luke fighting to not believe that Darth Vader is his father – you can tell at first that Ahsoka totally doesn't believe him. Right. And here's something I actually want to ask your opinion on. The way the way, the way it happens is at first he's saying, Ahsoka, let's work together. And she comes close to accepting it and then says, no, I don't believe you. And that's where this fantastic lightsaber battle comes around. Mm-hmm. And I rewatched it and I was thinking, this is an incredible lightsaber battle. And of course, I'm rooting for Ahsoka. But I think she's wrong. I think she's fighting him because she doesn't want to believe this awful truth that he's telling her. For sure. For sure. I think she does believe it, like, in that sort of way when, like, someone says something that you know to be true. Right. But, like, you just are like, I cannot My girlfriend is not cheating on me. Don't say that again. Sure, right. Like, it's something you can't accept into your reality or it will shake your kind of core of... Just the way you see the world, the way you think of yourself, the way you think of people who are important to you and have been a big part of your life. And, like, I think she's unwilling to accept it more than that. She just, like, doesn't believe it, right? And so yeah, she she basically, like, lashes out and, you know, and, and it seems reasonable. It's like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe not team up with, with Maul, you know? Yeah. I'm not sure if he's Darth Maul at that point or if he's a former Sith Lord by now and he's just Maul, but... Um, yeah, because it is in Rebels where he says, I'm he, no longer Darth Maul, I'm just Maul. Um, right. Sure they, and in, in her defense, she has no reason to trust him. And I think... Of course, of course. He may like, well I mean, feel like, I don't want Sidious because I want to be on the throne himself. But either way, it's, it's just this fascinating moment for her. Um, yeah, exactly. And... It's the sort of thing where, like, someone might be telling you something that's true, but at the same time, like, y- you don't necessarily want to go along with the way they want to do things. Right. Definitely. Right. Definitely. Like, um, oh, here's something wrong with the world. Here's how I want to fix it. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you had me at wrong with the world, but not with how you want to fix it. That's not okay. And so uh, she captures him, and then in the last episode, uh, or the, sec- the last couple Second episodes, to last, right? Um, yeah. The clones all of a sudden turn on her. Order 66 has been initiated. Um, and by the way, this fills in some great gaps of the plot that have been mentioned in a couple other semi-canonical things, I think books, but now we really get it for clear um, in both this and in earlier scenes in the Clone Wars that um, you know Order 66 was all because of a chip in the clone's head. So it wasn't right. that all of a sudden they just decided, you know, they, they just decided to go against their, their normal training. It's that they, there was a, brain, a mind control thing. And she breaks Rex's mind control and a couple of the others. And so now they're on this Star Destroyer having to keep away from, you know, thousands of clones and stay alive. And so in what I think is, and to me, this is the most like, not a full on dark side, but, but definitely non-Jedi. And I think maybe my favorite scene of hers in the entire oeuvre, she goes to Maul's cell and frees him. 
Yeah. And he's like, yes, you want to team up with me? And she's like, no, I need a distraction. (laughs) She's like, I kind of hope you die, but (laughs) I need the chaos right now. And that's what, yeah, because what he says is, okay, well, do you want to give me a fighting chance? And my (laughs) favorite line, maybe of Star Wars, is she says, I'm not rooting for you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and so she's like, no, I'm not going to give you these lightsabers. I think you're going to die. I want you to die. But I'm going to give you a fighting chance because it'll distract people. I mean, it is so cold and so right. ruthless. And yeah. it's perfect and it works. And no Jedi in the world would ever do it. Maybe not even Anakin before he dies. Right, right, right. Like... Yeah, yeah. That was a very not Jedi thing to do. Yeah. Uh, but it was also tactically, uh, you know, yeah, sensible, I'd say. Yeah. Um, although it, it maybe didn't all go exactly the way she'd hoped but <laughs> yeah i mean especially because maul does escape and causes many more problems later um yeah but so and so eventually it ends the ship crashes she and rex live most of the other clones die and there's a couple all, of, right yeah and i think all. all of them there's a couple of heartbreaking scenes where it really it, it clearly affects her you know in the moment the moment the clones attack she's just blocking their blaster bolts and killing them no questions asked but anytime she gets a chance to stop and think about it, she clearly hates the idea that she's killing the clones. She wants to do everything she can. And again, there's this heartbreak of she has to. It's the only way that they can get out of this. Um, so, yeah, well, I mean, but it's it's kind of that, like, she doesn't kill them. She lets them fall to their doom, right? Right. Like, yeah. Um, so. she, but she accepts that she can't save them, and she she's not yeah. willing to die trying. Exactly. Um, And also, during this point... As Order 66 is happening, first of all, there's a great scene of her kind of overhearing the council discussion where they're deciding maybe Palpatine is is the Sith Lord. And she has a moment where her connection to Anakin is such that she kind of hears the scene of him turning mm-hmm. uh, and Mace Window almost killing the Emperor, but, but, but him stopping it. But uh, deciding to w- go with the large backswing instead. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but... And, and again, so I think that's one more time where she's like, it, it is becoming more and more clear to her. There's still plausible deniability. She didn't see it. She just heard it. But we know and we know it's breaking her. Yeah. Um. So Clone Wars ends with that, with this wonderful scene of her um, burying the lightsabers. And then this beautiful moment of um, uh, Darth Vader finding the lightsabers and clearly having this moment of like Anakin slash Vader, in his mind, believing that chapter's ended. Um. There's a lot of great stuff we're skipping over. We're going to go back and discuss it, but I want to run through the history. Um, yeah, I, I'm not convinced that he believes that chapter's over. I mean, I've seen it framed as faking her death or something, but that's right. not to that's not my reading of the scene. And like, I don't really care what they intended. That's like I, I have sort of the way I felt about it, but just like from a cinematic standpoint, Vader standing there. In the snow, you know, in all black, in the white snow, picking up the, her lightsaber or one of her lightsabers, right? Mm-hmm. And just igniting it and having this blue lightsaber. And it's just, I don't know. It's its such a striking image. Yeah. And then he walks away and you see the reflection of him walking away in the helmet of the, mm. the clone troopers. Um, yeah. Who'd had their, I think there's an important detail to mention. Definitely. Who had, like, her face painted on their helmets. When they were, um, when she returned to to lead them into battle on Mandalore, yeah, and then those are the troopers that she has to go against, who are basically who are literally programmed to kill her at that point. 
Yeah, it's such a great sign of like the connection that those clones have to her and her to them. Um, yeah, because I think I think you know I mean, I, you know I read a lot of stuff about military and like you know soldiers know who are the generals who really care about them. You know, and I think that's mm-hmm. they, they know Ahsoka's not the one who's going to treat them like cannon fodder. Right. So then in the show Rebels, there's a this, it, Rebels is set maybe 15 years after the end of the Clone Wars, five years or so before the Battle of Yavin. And there's these small groups of rebels that are starting to get together to um, to fight against the Emperor. And they're getting this information from a source called Fulcrum. And it's eventually recognized, uh, eventually we discover that she is Fulcrum, um, and that she's actually been helping the rebels. Uh, there's a great novel that actually explains how she becomes Fulcrum, uh, and I'll talk about that more later. Uh, it's a novel by E.K. Johnson. Uh, it's a woman who wrote it, um, and the novel's just called Ahsoka. It's very good. Um... And then she winds up playing an important role of training with um, the two the two Jedi in Rebels. Uh, one is named Kanan, the other is named Ezra Bridger. Um, and she kind of plays an important role in Ezra Bridger's life, and she has some adventures as part of Rebels. And the connection between her and Darth Vader, you know, is there. At one point, Darth Vader talks to the Emperor and says, um, the, the Apprentice lives. Uh, and it's clear that Darth Vader knows about this and the importance of it. There's some great scenes in that that I'll, I'll talk about later. But the thing that I think is really most important here is Ahsoka uh, has another confrontation with Maul and then has a confrontation with Darth Vader. And for me, all the stuff that we've been talking about before, because the here again is where she fully comes to admit to herself, I think, that Anakin is Darth Vader. And there's an incredible moment in that fight where she she like cuts off part of his helmet and can see Anakin's eye, um, and so there's a great moment of like him speaking in an Anakin voice instead of Darth Vader voice, and it, it's just this heartbreaking moment of the recognition of her saying like that she thinks there's still some good in him, and she didn't quite say that, but saying that she thinks like that Anakin can fight through this. We'll get into all of that because there's so much to explore with Anakin and Ahsoka, and the last thing we see at that point is the fight ending, and it looking like. Darth Vader's probably going to kill her. Um, fast forward to the fourth season of Rebels towards the end. Well, And then the temple collapses, right? Yeah, the and, temple collapses so. and, and we see Vader walking away. And there's this one shot, and I like zoomed in on it to see if we what it really is, of this person with some white at the top of their body walking into a temple. And I think if you super zoom in on it, it might be Ahsoka. It's not clear, but it's certainly <laughs> the implication is that Ahsoka dies. Um, we flash forward a couple seasons and, um, and here there's a little bit, uh, I'll say this is a fairly contrived way to make this happen. I know Paul, you have even stronger feelings on it than I do. <laughs> um, but what happens is that Ezra is in this, like the bridge between time and worlds. And so he can see all these different moments in history. He sees the moment where Ahsoka is maybe about to be killed by Vader and he pulls her out of it. And, the story kind of tells us this, but then some of the other canon stuff, um, a video game especially, makes clearer. The idea is that she gets sucked into this world of time and space and then sort of gets pulled into this mystical realm where she spends an awful lot of time sort of coming to understand herself and the Force and to better contemplate this. And she doesn't get out of all of that until the end of the, the Galactic Wars. And so that's the explanation given as to why she's not present during Star Wars, you know, A New Hope, Empire, Jedi, why Yoda and Obi-Wan don't know about her when they're talking about Jedi that are still out there. 
And then at the very end of Rebels, the last thing we get is that um, if you listen to my Thrawn episode, we talk about how Ezra Bridger and General Thr- Admiral Thrawn get kind of catapulted into um, hyperspace because of hyperspace whales. Uh, it, it, it's a whole thing, I promise. It makes sense, sort of. Um, sort of. And Sabine, who's one of the other main characters from Rebels, and Ahsoka have together promised to go off and find Ezra Bridger. And that brings us up to where you see her in Mandalorian, where, and it's part of why people went crazy about Thrawn, because if she's looking for Thrawn, it could mean all sorts of things, but one thing it could mean is that she's looking for Ezra Bridger. Um, so that's the kind of nutshell whole story Paul, I mean, you have 30 seconds to rant about how badly contrived the way they explain why she's not in the main movies is, and then let's get to more parts of her story. Okay. Uh, I don't think it all lines up. Uh, <laughs> it's super contrived, but that mostly comes from prequelitis, where they created this character, and then that character had to not exist for a period of time, but then they wanted the character to exist again later. Yeah. Right? And, you know, there wasn't ever going to be an elegant solution to having a bunch of Jedi around during A New Hope through Return of the Jedi. So they took them out of play in a really bizarre way that I felt like they did a fairly poor job of an impossible task. Yeah. But what with it being an impossible task, I, I wasn't actually hoping for better. But, like, that part, I'm just like, yeah, okay, here she is in Mandalorian. Go. Yeah. I, I mean, if <laughs> so. nothing else, it, it reminds me of one thing I like so much about Rogue One. Which, Rogue One, the writers oh, started yeah. with the idea that all these characters have to die or else it makes no sense. And then all the characters died. Um, right, right. And I feel like if at some point in the writing process someone had said, you know what, Jyn Erso is such a great character – how about if we give her some way to escape? And I mean, she's even a smaller character. It would have mattered as much. But it felt to me like they started Clone Wars and maybe even Rebels knowing these characters all have to be gone. But they were like, well, but Ahsoka's so good. Let's not totally get rid of her. And the fact is, I agree. I don't want to get rid yeah. of her entirely. Yeah, me too. But I think also they, they probably never intended her to stick around this much. There's a lot of ways in which Rebels doesn't quite fit canon. Um the, the fact that the Imperial officers don't believe that the Force exists when we now know yeah. that there were Force <laughs> users literally five years ago instead of 20. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, putting all that aside, so... Well, not even that. It was, like, right up to the moment, right? Yeah, pretty I mean, much, pretty much. So... Okay, but so putting aside all that, so let's dive into the elements of this history um, that I quickly summed up in 20 minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah. But we talked about things as we went. It's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk about some of the things that we like most about Ahsoka's character. Um... And one of the things is just this idea that she's always asking questions. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I, again, it's where I feel like she's the she's the point of view character for us because the Jedi are saying all of these things about, you know, how we are. And they're acting in totally different ways. And I feel like Ahsoka's the one who points that out. You know, she's the one... You often have a character who enters a new world who can ask the questions so that you're not... The audience isn't totally confused. Right. And I just feel like she always asks those questions about, like wait a minute, there's something wrong here. And she's the one who points it out. Yeah, and I mean, some of it's, sometimes it's just like uh, a vocabulary or history lesson or something where it's like, yeah, she's a character who can be like, oh, what about this? And we buy it because she's young. She's a Padawan. Um, But other times it's like, she's like, oh, well, that, that doesn't make sense. Why are you doing it that way? And, you know, I mean, personally, like I, Within the Clone Wars, I, I identify with Anakin as well. I, I'm not sure whether people are supposed to or not, but um, but there, I, I do think there's there's often this character 
that is supposed to be sort of asking the questions that the audience would want asked. Yes, right? exactly. And, and she very much does that. And I think we are supposed to be somewhat sympathetic to, to Anakin. I, I think the idea is that we're supposed to see that Anakin is trapped in this broken system. And so we, we understand his frustration. And we're like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh, oh, wait, wait, no, 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 don't do that. You know, it's still kind exactly. of like, I mean, to me, it, it, you and I have talked many times about the villain we relate to. You know, it, to me, is very much a like Killmonger character where it's like, mm-hmm. I 100% agree with his frustration. I wish more people had taken his frustration seriously earlier so that he didn't go down this path that maybe he could have stopped himself from. But that was very much he was sort of, you know, um, all these factors led to it. Um, Well, he was to some extent presented with like a binary choice, right? right? You can be a Jedi and have no attachments or you can have attachments – who then apparently are going to die, and the only person who can help you save someone's life is is a, a Sith, which seems like a, a very Jedi kind of power. Yeah. Like really healing. Like that seems like like that seems like it should be a, a staple Jedi power, but somehow it's something that the Sith uh, are are into. It that's kind of weird. Like the the way the powers line up. And here again is something that I wish had been better explained in the movies, because um, in the books they do explore this, that the – granted, very, very few Sith have been able to do this, but that the way a Sith is able to save someone's life is by stealing the life of someone else. Mm. So, yeah, very, that very dark That seems a lot more side. dark side. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that's what makes Pado- – uh, that went yeah. – that's but not touched Pal- on in the movies at all, right? Right, and that's what makes Palpatine I mean, so brilliant is that he does this like you know bait and switch, but yeah, not not done right. into. Yeah, and so let's let's actually use that to get into um, the Anakin and Ahsoka because I, in some ways, I feel like now that's the relationship I most care about in the entire series. Um, yeah, certainly just because I th- there's one line in particular that jumped out to me about Rebels, um, about that scene where. Um, Maul is again saying like that Anakin is Vader and she's protesting it Um, because it ties into everything you were just saying about Anakin being sympathetic and and her role in it. And she says that it's impossible that he's Vader because Anakin cared so deeply about his friends. Right. And that line really hit me hard because what we know is that it is because he cared so much about his friends and he cared about others that his caring is what led him to the dark side. Because in, in part, the Jedi have set up this idiotic thing where, yeah. you know, you they never figured out a way to safely care about someone. Um, I, there's a line in, I think she actually, I think she said this in um, Mandalorian. Tell me if I'm wrong. But where she says, the problem isn't attachments. The problem is fearing loss of attachments. Um, I definitely don't remember her saying that in Mandalorian. Okay, I'm trying to remember who said that. It would be a much better line. Yeah, now this can drive me crazy. I can't remember who said it, but it's it's to me that's a much better philosophy than the Jedi have. Um, but it is just this wonderful, I think, um, juxtaposition of everything that happens here because her belief in Anakin caring for people, meaning that he can't go to the dark side. And in, in, in matter of fact, it actually is, you know, and that we see this again and again, where many of the times where Anakin like taps one more step towards the dark side, it's because of how much he cares about other people. And so he's so angry about what the sand people did to his mother or so angry at the people who put Ahsoka's life at risk or things like that. 
Yeah, and I mean, you said sometimes. I feel like it's always with, I guess, one notable exception. The exception being, why didn't you make me a master? Make me a Jedi master. But like, (laughs) aside from that, he never is like, oh, I want power because I want power. He wants power. He wants to be able to do things really just to help people, Mm -hmm. right? And I feel like in Revenge of the Sith, he does that in a... It it has a different feel, a different character to it than it does in the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. The Clone Wars, I find much more believable. Yeah, he's much more sort of stereotype of like whiny fuckboy in the the movies, I think. Yeah, yeah. And so there's an extent to which this is maybe my... No, no, not maybe. (laughs) This is my greatest disappointment in the Star Wars universe is really Revenge of the Sith, even though I, I think uh, Attack of the Clones is, is a worse movie. Yeah. Uh, Revenge of the Sith just, they they had they had one job. They, yeah. There was one job <laughs> that they had to do right. It, it was a hard job, right. but they didn't do it right. And because, because that scene just doesn't work for me, and if it does for other people, great. I don't want to spoil it for you, but it doesn't work for me. And because of that, like, the entire premise of the universe, basically, and the Chosen One and the the whole Anakin story, I kind of have to, like, mentally fast forward a little bit and and sort of headcanon it because that scene and and that movie just don't work for me on a level that, that, you know, Order 66 in Clone Wars Season season 7 just really does work. I I mean, as I was rewatching that... Uh, as I was rewatching season seven of Clone Wars, you know, they explain that uh, Obi-Wan can't help on Mandalore because the Coruscant is under attack by Grievous. They explain mm-hmm. why all the Jedi are going to these far flung worlds and that Obi-Wan is going to try and kill Grievous to end the Clone Wars. And like you hear the, the moment when uh, Anakin falls, even if you don't see it. I right. think you could probably understand the whole story just watching that, never having to watch that movie because you're right. It's so bad. I agree. Um, I agree. And and I actually did rewatch the movie after uh, after watching the Clone Wars season 7 right. and having that kind of new context for it. And to some extent I enjoyed it more than I had, but then I also was disappointed all over again yeah. even more. No, <laughs> so, I, I think that's very 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 legit. Both. Um but just getting back to Ahsoka herself, um what what are for you? What are some of the key points about the the Ahsoka Anakin relationship that means so much to you? Well, you touched on it earlier that having a student is very—I mean, it's very different from being the student, right? right. When when you're the student and you have, particularly in this kind of—I I feel like the Jedi Order is—you know—you're talking about the military, the parallels to like a mil- military relationships, right? But that's that's more the clones you know, the clone troopers and the Jedi who are basically officers or literally officers. Uh, To me, the Jedi order itself, their structure, it's very similar to, you know, martial arts culture in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways where you have, you know, master Yoda, who's like a grand master at the top of everything. Right. And then there's a council who are all also basically grand masters, I would say. Right. And, and then there's some other masters like Kenobi, who I guess he's on the council, but he's not on the council in the beginning. Right. And it's, 
it's a little unclear to me, like, just how many Jedi there are and all these things. But what is clear is that there's a lot of layers. And each, everyone who's a master had a master before them. And their master had a master. And this sort of, this lineage, Obi-Wan is basically telling Anakin what to do in a lot of ways. And he's, he's teaching him, right? But he's teaching him by saying hey, you should do this. Or he's putting him in a situation to do something. But when he then gets, he has Anakin have a Padawan, having a Padawan, having having a student like that, who's who's really an apprentice more than just like, it's not like Anakin has 20 students, right? right. He, ha- he has one. And there's, an ex- there's, there's a sense to which her as a student holds him accountable in a way that Obi-Wan can't yeah. hold him accountable. Because... If he kind of breaks Obi-Wan's edict or, or Obi-Wan's orders, he's he's taking that, that responsibility is kind of only on himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it can reflect poorly on Obi-Wan as well, right? But he's kind of taking that risk for himself. And it's kind of like a kid being like, oh, my parents are telling me not to do this, but like, whatever, I'm going to go and do it. But when he has a Padawan, when he has uh, Ahsoka, there, there's a responsibility that he has to you know to train her well and to set a good example and i'd say he actually sets a fairly good example as a force user Mm -hmm. he doesn't set a great example as a jedi because he's not really a great jedi right he's i think he's a great force user and i think i think he never should have been a jedi like when they're like oh he's too old to become a jedi they're not wrong yeah but what they are wrong is that he's too old to to learn to to use his powers to like so i think he should have been trained as a force user and then be like okay you do you and then i don't think he would have become darth vader but he also wouldn't have become a jedi and i think that would have been a much much better path for him to be on than the path he ended up being on uh but to bring it back to ahsoka he kind of teaches her not so much as a jedi he kind of teaches her as a force user and so there's an extent to which I, I kind of feel like he was a bad student of Obi-Wan's, mm-hmm. but he was kind of a he was kind of a better teacher yeah. than he was a student. And Ahsoka, I feel like Ahsoka became who Anakin should have become uh, yeah, in a I lot of ways. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Because she, quest- she raises a lot of the same questions that he does, but she doesn't feel the need to rush to the other side in the same way. She, exactly. She is able to find this and... I think one of the most interesting parts of all of this is the three-way dynamic between her, Anakin, and Obi-Wan. The book is written when she's not yet fully accepted that, that Anakin fell, but certainly she's remembering a lot of the like the conflicts between Obi-Wan and Anakin. And then there are times where she did take Obi-Wan's side, or she took Anakin's side. And yeah. some of my favorite scenes are where Anakin realizes that a so like it's that kind of thing of like you know, oh, I don't think I'm that bad until you watch your child imitate you. And you're like, oh, oh right. that? You're like, oh, that's totally what I'm doing. And, and, <laughs> that's not a good thing to do. And there's definitely some moments where, like, you know, Obi, uh, where Anakin is like, Ahsoka, how could you do that? And she basically has that, like, I learned it by watching you kind of moment. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. I'm referencing an anti-drug commercial from the 80s for anyone who's very confused about that. Um, <laughs> but, but, and I think that's another such a great part of the dynamic. Um the other thing that I want to just bring up as well is that one thing that Rebels especially does, and it, it breaks my heart because it's so heartfelt, is is just to show how much these characters care about each other. 
and thus to make their final confrontation that much harder. Um, and the two moments that I, I really wanted to pick up on, and again, one of these I, I think I read, and the other one I definitely picked up on because they, they pointed it out in um, Desi Geek Girls, that great podcast, is from Anakin's perspective, when, um, when Ahsoka returns and basically convinces them to help her go help Bo-Katan take back Mandalore, um, it is so clear that like Anakin's whole face lights up. Um, oh it, yeah, it's like you know the the puppy when like their their master comes back home for the first time. You know, <laughs> he is so excited to see her. He's so pleased, and then there's this beautiful moment where it turns out those lightsabers that, as you said, like we wonder if they're in the bag. She handed them in to the Jedi. He's been carrying them around with her this entire time, and clearly, and it's not like they're in his home. Like they're with him on this ship during this mission. And he's actually worked on them and made them even better. I think they're now a different color. They're now blue where they used to be more green. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that moment felt so important to me. And then the second, and this is a very throwaway thing that you might not notice. And here, the the podcast helped me remember this. Um, As we said, she is Fulcrum. That is her code name within the Alliance. And in in the book, it talks about that um, because Bail Organa, who helps recruit her, asks her what her code name should be. And she says Fulcrum. Fulcrum is the radio frequency that Anakin uses in the code oh. And there's like an important scene where like he teaches her how to use that radio frequency. Yeah. Um and so it's like it's one of the again, it's subtle. It doesn't hit you over the head with it, and if you don't know it, you'll miss it. But she names herself Fulcrum because she's in her mind still doing the work of Anakin. Um right. which again, I mean it's it's just such a like it doesn't it's not like this huge plot moment, but it's just such a uh you know, a beautiful character moment about these two characters that makes that makes their their eventual confrontation, I think, so much more hard, so much harder. For sure, yeah. I, the 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 lightsaber thing where he gives back, you know, or is like, "Here's your lightsabers. I've I've been holding them for you, basically." Right. Uh, I thought I thought it was great. Um, I I didn't I didn't I don't even know if I knew that about. The radio because I, I watch these things mostly translated and oh yeah that's fair uh, they're they're sometimes a little different mm-hmm. but but that's a re- that's a really cool detail yeah uh, reference and I mean that's one of the things about these shows about Clone Wars and Rebels and then also uh, Mandalorian is that the sort of they all feel more connected to each other yeah than than the movies. I'd say not that they don't feel connected to the movies, but they all, there's these through lines and they, they just, they feel very well, very well thought out. Yeah. Like I, I am utter, it is very clear that the creators of Mandalore, uh, the Mandalorian are the people who are very involved in Clone Wars in a way that, as I said, I, I feel like the writers of last Jedi have seen the Clone Wars and rebels in a way that I don't think is true about any other movie. I mean, most of them were mm. beforehand, but, um, right, and and to bring this all the way into the present, and we'll talk about a couple other parts of uh, Ahsoka's character. I think this whole story of her with the Jedi is so important because I know that when she decides not to train Grogu, and she really like rejects the idea even that Grogu should definitely be a Jedi and, and wants him to choose. A lot of people on social media were like, "Why would she do that?" For me, knowing that history, I cu- I don't think it would have been. I couldn't possibly imagine her doing anything else. Hmm. Well, I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> Go for it. So I think not training him as a Jedi 
is totally sensible. Right. And I think I really would have liked to see in episode five, season two of The Mandalorian, Ahsoka, I don't know, maybe mention not being a Jedi technically anymore. Yeah. And maybe it would have been too much for kind of the more casual audience. Maybe it's something that we're going to get into more later. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the fact that she left the Jedi Order... And so, yeah, it wouldn't make any sense for her to train Grogu as a Jedi. That said, I think not training him in using his Force powers uh, seems actually kind of irresponsible to me. Mm -hmm. And I would wish that she were trained, that she trained Grogu kind of how Anakin trained her, and definitely the way that I think Anakin should have been trained in terms of like, yeah, maybe not so much with all the Jedi stuff, maybe more just with understanding the Force. Understand who you are, what you're capable of. You know, yeah. m- maybe let's not work on that Force choke so much. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> although, you know what, I mean, I I, I just gotta say, like, I know there's an Ahsoka episode, but, like, I really want to see Grogu Force choke Moff Gideon. Like, <laughs> one time. Great. Give me that. that Come on. Fantastic, I admit. <laughs> um... I have a totally unrelated thing I want to see that I'll mention at the end as well. Please help me remember to say it. Um, okay. I Yeah, all that's true. I, I guess I feel like, for me, there were two main things that were happening. That were three main things. One is, I feel like, I don't think she has the confidence in herself um, to, to want to train another. You know, I feel like... Has she ever trained anyone? Say again? Has she ever trained anyone? Not that we know of. And granted, we don't we don't know what she's been doing this whole time. Right. And yeah, so. that I really would like uh, an Ahsoka movie or an Ahsoka TV show to dive more into that. Um, yes, please. Yeah. Like, we so need that. Um, <laughs> so I think that's one thing. I think another thing, and again, it's a throwaway line that you might miss, but she talks about Grogu's fear of losing the attachment. And she says, right. I've seen what happens to good people who have that. And it's clear she's talking about Anakin. Yeah. And I feel like... Speaking of force choking. Right, Like, exactly. when did Grogu force choke someone? And I, I think one of my frustrations is that Obi-Wan, as far as we know, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka never get to reconnect after she knows what happens to Anakin. Um, because I feel like the two of them right. were probably the, the two Jedi who Anakin was closest to, certainly. And given his relationship with Padme, maybe the two people he was closest to, certainly two of them, and they had, like, different, you know, one was his teacher, one was his student. But mm-hmm. I feel like the two of them could have had such a great connection about that and such a way to kind of, you know, find some catharsis together. Um, but I, I think in the same way that Obi-Wan was, you know, Obi-Wan wants to, like, train Luke as a way to, like, correct his mistake. But, you know, clearly he carries so much guilt. Um, I, I think I can understand why Ahsoka would be afraid of that. Especially because... I buy that. By the, by the prospect of training Grogu and possibly him turning into another Dark Jedi. Mm-hmm. And and here's actually one important thing from Rebels that we didn't cover. Because, again, it's only maybe two or three lines in one episode. But um, in that episode, she talks about not only did, part of why she couldn't accept that Anakin has become Darth Vader is that she blames herself. Um, she right. is a character who carries – she carries guilt for the clones. She carries guilt for her friends. She believes that if she hadn't left his side, that if she had been with him instead of going off on this, because he wanted her to come with him to help, you know, save save the Emperor. Right. And she believes that if she hadn't gone, if she had come back to the Jedi, 
you know, and it, it's a very self-centered thing, but it's a thing of like, you know, if, if I had been there, I could have saved him. Um, I mean, she might not be wrong. Also true. Like, she, I think she's wrong to blame herself and hold herself responsible for it because she did what she thought was right at the time, which seems like a reasonable course of action. Right. Right. It's like, do you want to come help me do this one thing that's important? Or do you want to help these other people do this other thing that's important? I don't think if you choose one or the other, you should feel guilty, right? right? In terms of like, it's not, it wasn't her responsibility to be there for Anakin and keep him from turning to the dark side. Having said that, it is possible that if she had been there, things would have gone differently. Yeah. It is possible that if she was in the room with Anakin and Mace and Sidious, things wouldn't have played out the way they did. Right. Right. Or that she would find out of the conversations he was having with Sidious and be like, uh, yeah. uh, Master? And like, be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Let's slow down. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and, you know, that's a little bit of, I think that much is handled very well in terms of they gave her a place to be and a reason that she wasn't in uh, the, the room with Sidious. Right. Right. That said... It, there's a little bit of kind of prequelitis in like she's such an important character to Anakin. She's such an important character in the Clone Wars st- series and what's going on during Revenge of the Sith. For her to not be there, like yes, I think I think this one they came up with a totally legit way of kind of explaining that. Right. But it just it I feel like her absence in that film is is felt very heavily once you've seen the clone wars i think that's true and i think especially the fact that this last season wasn't released for a long time meant yeah. for a long time we didn't have that the one counterpoint i think i have and that i i think they show a little bit of this in what we did get of the clone wars my understanding is that we would have gotten more of this in those four episodes that we didn't see but that were written or at least sketched out is that He's that lost puppy dog, and she has very strong walls up. You know, she she greets him as master, right. and she's happy with the lightsabers. But it, it, and I definitely get the sense, even what we saw, and I think it's supposed to have been even clearer, that she is holding herself back in a real way, and and in part because she does. I think that's true. She doesn't want to rejoin the Jedi. She doesn't want to fall back in that same relationship with him. And yeah. so I feel like, and again, this is a lot of head canon. I can understand if it's like maybe Anakin thinks about reaching out to Ahsoka and like wanting to like hologram call her and be like, yeah, here's this talk I had with Sidious. I'm really pissed. You know, they won't let me be a master. I'm pissed about this. What do you think? But that what stops him is feeling like he doesn't have that relationship with her anymore. Um, yeah, for sure. No, I mean, I don't. This part doesn't feel contrived. Yeah. Right. It just it, it feels like, OK, so she was his Padawan for basically almost the entire time between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And, you know, minus maybe a couple months or something. It's it's kind of unclear exactly the time frame. Right. I think between, like, when does... I mean, we know that Season 7 takes place just uh, before Revenge of the Sith. But how much time... Is there time between Season... Because it was Season 5, right? When she left the Jedi? Yeah. And then there's all of Season Sith. So... Season six, season six, <laughs> uh, and and so it, it's a little, it's it's a little shaky on time. I mean, Clone Wars is horrible about this. Yeah, right? the whole like, show is as a, out of chronological order. As great of a series as it is, in terms, of, and I think a lot of that had to do with production and maybe the networks and whatever. So I'm not going to necessarily hold the the creators, uh, showrunners responsible for that, but it, it's definitely all over the place in terms of uh, sequence. 
And, but so I, I, I think this one they got right in terms of not having a super contrived, um, sort of everything with that. Uh, I, I do think that if she had been there in Revenge of the Sith, like, that's the story that I would want to see. But then maybe we don't get the story that we got. And it's it's very, yeah. you know, maybe then the whole original trilogy doesn't really work if Revenge of the Sith goes the way that I want it to. Like, I mean, the way that I... I kind of want Mace I, Windu to just I think you could have done it with Sadius, a head candidate. Like, and again, it's, it's as you said, it's prequelitis. If we'd actually had these, these Attack of the Clone stories the Clone War stories in between the second and third movie. So now yeah. we go into the third movie knowing this has happened. And now what if one more thing that's driving Anakin away from the Jedi is his recognition of Ahsoka was one of the best of them. And now she won't even like talk to him anymore because he's still with the Jedi and she doesn't want anything to do with that. You know, like, right. Yeah. That could have been so good. And, and I mean, how yeah. much could Palpatine have like, you played on that, you know, like, for sure. I'm glad I can talk to you. I wish you could still talk to Ahsoka, but of course the Jedi, I mean, oh, I'm getting chills just thinking about that. It would be so much better. I mean, just just Dave Filoni, give give us an animated movie of Revenge of the Sith that's just yeah. different and just better. Do it. Just so do glad. it. Just make it happen. <laughs> um, we've gone on a while. There's a couple more things I want to touch on, but I want to kind of move move fast through it. Um, we have talked a lot about her relationship to the clones, um, but is there anything kind of more important that you want to talk about, especially in terms of like what it tells us about who she might be now um, and who she might be going forward. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I basically said it like, it's just one sentence. She sees the clones as people yeah, and it doesn't feel like everybody sees the clones as people and her relationship with Rex and all of the clones first, first all of the clones like in when they, when they have her face like painted on their helmets, it's so powerful and then knowing and then seeing that she ends up having to fight against them as they're all being mind controlled, which, you know, that's a little kind of, okay, but like, that's the story. And that's, that's the only way kind of to make it work, I think. And, you know, and then she saves Rex, but she can't save the rest of them. And it's heartbreaking because they are people. Yeah. And more, I think maybe more than any other non-clone character, she she shows us that and, and, and shares that with us. Like that, that's always my view. Yeah. Right. But, but that's not, right. that's not necessarily everyone's view when they're first watching. And you know, Yoda's like, Oh no, you're this person. You're this person. I think you're real people. Uh, Oh, you're turning on us. I'm going to kill you, 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 <laughs> you know, like, and she's like, she has a hard time actually fighting against them. And, and she does, there's just this struggle of like, she doesn't want to kill them. She doesn't want them to die. But there's, there's just not another way at yeah. that point in time. And all they can do is save themselves and they do. And then they bury them, you know, yeah. I mean, how many, how many of the other Jedi buried their clones after their clones tried to kill them? And then they killed their clones. Yeah. Like uh, none their we, soldiers. None we, saw. we did exactly. We didn't see, we didn't see that. So, you know, maybe, yeah, you happen to land on a, an ice planet and have time to do that. Okay. Maybe not everybody did, yeah. but like, <laughs> That's that's a lot of work, you know? That's a lot of time when maybe you're trying to flee and hide for your life instead. So, hide for your life, flee for your life, hide and flee for your life. <laughs> it's getting yeah. late. Yeah, we'll go with that one. But no, but, I, I think that's so true. And honestly, I think one of the... You and I have talked about how um, her character is underused in Rebels. She has some wonderful scenes with oh, Vader. Yeah, yeah. She has some knowing she's mm-hmm. Fulcrum. And, and I think... Because to me, I think the whole point about the thing with the clones is that 
it's one more way in which she's very jaded, I think. I think she's very jaded about warfare. She's very jaded about armies. She's very jaded about the Jedi. Um, in Rebels, you're saying? It, by the time we get to Rebels, and thus I think probably yeah. still is by the time we get to her in Mandalorian. Oh, for like, sure. I think, yeah. I think in terms of setting up who she is now in the story. Yeah, I meant as opposed to like in the Clone Wars. Oh, yeah, very much so. Um, right. And, and I think some of, some of the best scenes of her in Rebels outside of her and Anakin is her reconnecting with Rex. Because yes. one of the things that we see is, as I said, at the start of the Clone Wars, you know, she's the 14-year-old general. Rex is the somewhat battle-hardened veteran. And by the time we get to Rebels, he still is very battle-hardened, but I feel like the, the relationship between the two of them has changed fundamentally. And in some ways, I feel like, for me, the most powerful recognition of how much she has grown is when Rex sees that. And when Rex is clearly yeah. now deferring to her, not just as his official general and commander, but really recognizing, like, she should be the leader in these things. Right. She's kind of grown into the role that she had been thrust into prematurely. Right. Which I think was commander, right? Not general. I, don't, I think, yeah, that's right. I don't remember that's her right. being a general. I think it's commander. But, uh, but still, it was, you know, before it had been like, he's following orders because that's what he's supposed to do. And now he's like, I'm following orders because you're the person who should be deciding what we do. Right. And the sense that I definitely get from her in Rebels, and I, I wish they'd done more of this, but is that she, she's very comfortable when it is this very loose association, you know? And she kind of wants people to follow orders, and she kind of wants them to mm-hmm. get in line. But, and here I am 100% headcanoning, knowing all that we know about her, I think the the only way I can justify her not taking part in the Galactic Civil War, the the war against the Empire and New Hope through Jedi, is that at this point she's so jaded on the Jedi, she's so jaded on the idea of military and of wars, that she's just like, I'm going to stick around in the mystic zone, like whatever it is, figuring my shit out, because I, I just, I don't, I don't trust this, you know? I know the Empire is wrong, I don't trust the group that's fighting against them, and... Mm. Like I said, I, I wish they had given that to us in the show, and uh, you know, it is an impossible task. But I, that's my hand cannon. But that that at least helped me understand it, and it also makes me help understand why maybe she's on her own personal crusade against Thrawn, but she's very hesitant to sort of be like, okay, yeah, let me go join Bo-Katan and help her retake Mandalore all over again, or let me go help the Mandalorian do his thing. I feel like where we go with her character now she is going to be very hesitant to join anything else. Right. She's she's a warrior who's done with the wars. Like, yeah. she's she's very much a ronin, not a samurai. Like, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think as far as, you know, the A New Hope through Return of the Jedi, I, I've said what I have to say about yeah. that. <laughs> I, I do think in terms of if she hadn't been in some sort of other dimension or whatever it is, I think her being out in the outer rim somewhere just being like, yeah, this is just, you know, enough of this kind of, uh, I could theoretically see it, but still have a hard time with it. I do think her not being involved in the new Republic directly makes all the sense in the world to me, Yeah, you know, uh, but, but still opposing the empire and the remnants of the Empire being like, look, I'm not going to join your Republic, but I'm still going to hunt down people who I think are doing bad things. And I, I do think that maybe she's trying to find Thrawn to try to find Ezra. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the one of the things that maybe 
maybe I took my headphones off for last. Uh... Yeah, I think that was that was exactly the prediction we were, we were <laughs> probably. Making. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't want you to know what happened to Ezra and that he was with Ron. I get it, and I appreciate that. I I just for anybody who's like, what what are you guys talking about? Um, I just finished Rebels this this week, yeah. and uh, I wanted to not have it spoiled, and um, this ep- and these types of episodes are obviously like full spoiler. Yeah. Like, <laughs> here's what happened in case you don't want to watch. 180 episodes of, of animation. Yeah. Um, By the way, here's the thing I was going to throw in that this is my own, like, it doesn't connect to anything, but God, I would love it. What if yeah. she is looking for Ezra, she is looking for Thrawn, and she has found the one person who knows where people go to hide, who knows how to find resources, who knows how to help seek people out, and the person who absolutely adores Ezra Bridger, Hondo. <laughs> Hondo? <Yes. laughs> I want live yes. action Hondo. Oh wow, <laughs> wow! <laughs> Hondo, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, he's he's a member of the sort of scum and villainy faction. He's a bounty hunter. He runs <laughs> criminal exercises, but he's just the sort who just has so much fun. Like there's episode after episode where he is clearly such good friends with Ezra, and is so much fun. Like wanting Ezra to get better. Because once again, he double crosses Ezra. And it's just this like, you will learn. You will learn. I promise you. Like, <laughs> Pirate. <laughs> yeah, very much the jo- Jack Sparrow. He, he, uh, yeah, I was going to say, he feels very Jack Sparrow to me. <laughs> God, it'd be great to see him in live action. But um, but yeah, but so getting back to Ahsoka, what else do you think we might, where else do you think we might see her character go Um, in terms of like, she's obviously hunting for Thrawn. Maybe she's hunting for Ezra. Um, where, What else do you think we might see her character do going forward? I mean, I guess we're not going to see her train Krogu. Yeah. I imagine... I, I I think there's a reasonable chance she joins Team Mando for the, you know, try to recover Grogu showdown. Uh, that seems inevitable at the end of Season 2 of Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope we see her just get her own show. Yeah. Which could be... It could be set... I mean, it could be in that whatever other dimension kind yeah. of thing, or it could be kind of parallel to Mandalorian and maybe be a very different show. Although I kind of feel like wouldn't her show be kind of similar where she goes around from place to place doing things very episodic. I would think mm-hmm. uh, in terms of hunting Thrawn, like that seems to be, she seems pretty focused on that. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm going to say that's the main thing that we see her do next. Which may be another uh, reason continue why she doesn't want to... Uh, and I was going to say, actually, the other thing that I think... The third factor, I think, that might help keep her away from training Grogu is... I think, as you said, she's very aware of that... The, the Jedi choosing to train children without their choice. Um, mm-hmm. And I think she kind of feels like Grogu needs to be older to make that choice. Or at least... Yeah. Or, and- or at least needs to... It kind of reminds me of when you were earlier saying, like, you don't want to talk other people out of liking things. Um, you just don't like them. I think that's where she is with the Jedi. Like, she doesn't want yeah. to be the person who says, no, Grogu, don't be a Jedi. Let me show you the way. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I don't want to ruin this for you. Right. If it has value for you, it's not for me. And I think there's a still a possibility that, A, because she helps rescue Grogu and sees how dangerous it could be if he's captured... But also because he gets a moment to kind of say no thank you to the Jedi, that I, I, I still think the window is open that she does choose to train him in some way. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, and I mean, I would, 
I would watch that series. Yeah. Like. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> the Ahsoka and Grogu show. Yeah. Or the Rex and Ahsoka show. Or, I, you know. Uh, Who could play a live action Rex? Just more. Uh, hmm. This is totally off topic. We should like, you know, (laughs) audience write in, tell us who should play live action. Yes. Yes. That's our audience question for sure. I'll, I'll have a good, uh, I'll have a good response on Twitter. I mean, actually, I guess it should be the guy who plays all the clones. Bradley. Really? D Bradley Baker. Um, no, no. Uh, who's the actor, who's the actor who's now playing Boba Fett live action? Oh, um, Tamoira Morrison. Before before the last episode of, you know, of The Mandalorian, well, after the episode, but before we did the podcast, I actually looked it up and looked at, like, five different YouTube, clu- uh, um, YouTube clips to try to make sure that I, I knew the pronunciation, but it didn't stick them. I think I saw it as Tamara Morrison, mm-hmm. but that certainly could be wrong. I know Riki pronounced it differently last right. week. Uh, we, we, we share <laughs> um, an interest in trying to get people's names yeah. right, so if anybody has a, a confident pronunciation that they can maybe send a, a link somewhere. That would be fantastic. Yeah, definitely let us know. Uh, but, but either way, he, he's, he's the actor who's pl- he, in theory playing all the clones, so he should be Rex. Right, so he would play Rex, um, yeah, just with a beard. Yeah. And then seeing him and Boba Fett meet, I think, would be awesome. Yeah, oh, God, that'd be so good. <laughs> um, and there's, there's all sorts of stuff that and we're going to do another episode on The Mandalorian, uh, the history of Mandalore. I thought we could do both today. We're already approaching the longest episode what? we've had for Star Wars Universe, and it's just uh, Ahsoka. Um, yeah. There are two last things I wanted to touch on to get your so-on-so on, and then I'll hear any other last things you have. Um, one, just kind of following up what we were just saying, again, one more time when I really – and here it could have been done. I wish the postquels had taken these stories more seriously because Luke is feeling like he doesn't know how to train the Jedi – He's lost. He doesn't know. What, he doesn't know what to do about this. Who better for him to be able to talk to than the person who knew his father? Right. Like, and and maybe that would even be like way earlier. Like you know, in the in when um when Luke first loses Ben Solo to the dark side, or even when he's trying to set up the school. Like, I would have loved to see some kind of a reunion between Ahsoka Tano and Luke Skywalker. Um, yes, please. Another failure. Maybe we'll get that at some point. If that rewrites the history of the postquels, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh, <laughs> oh no. no! Wait, wait, wait! If those movies were decanonized, that would that would be. There's so much I love thing. about Last Jedi, but I'd be willing to give it up just to get the whole thing redone and and then keep the parts about Last Jedi that are so good. Um, yeah, how about a multiverse? Let's do a multiverse. Sure, I'm I'm fine with that because I really like the characters in the postquels, like the new characters. Yeah. I really do. I, w- I wish the writers I really had liked don't like them the more, stories, uh, especially ah! Finn. But, um, <laughs> Touche. But, but here's the one oh. one thing, and I, this is just going back to the whole point about Ahsoka and leaving the Jedi, and because um, mm-hmm. here's where she literally says it. But it's again one of my favorite exchanges in the whole series, in the whole Star Wars universe. And it's in that climactic battle between her and Darth Vader. Um, and what she's saying, like, you know, what happened to Anakin? I don't understand. I wish I could have saved him. And Vader Anakin um, says to her, you know, Anakin Skywalker is dead. She says, I will avenge his death. And he says to her, kind of mocking, revenge is not the Jedi way. She smiles, holds her lightsaber and says, I am no Jedi. And charges him. <laughs> it's just like yeah. it's so perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 part 
there were parts of Rebels. Her presence in Rebels, I thought was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, her absence in parts of Rebels <laughs> was, was my yeah. issue. But yeah, but but yeah, that no, that scene was great. That and that that sums it up in a lot of ways. Right. To that me. she's willing to do the thing. She's no longer a Jedi. Um, right. Exactly. And it's it to me, it's a very intentional call out to Lord of the Rings. Where the Nazgul knows that um, he can't be killed by oh, uh, and the yeah um, yeah I am no man yeah exactly the the, the yeah. woman who kills him um, says I am no man um, yeah yeah I get that so yeah that that kind of wraps it up for me what about for you any other last things you wanted to dive into or that we didn't get to cover yeah so not so much dive in but this actually this is what I wanted to say but it also kind of uh, piggybacks off that point which is I feel like Ahsoka understands and appreciates and internalizes the underlying principles of the Jedi. Yes. Which I think by and large are good, are good ideas. Yes. But she doesn't accept, she doesn't buy into, she doesn't continue to abide by the arbitrary rules that theoretically are set up based on those underlying principles, but I think ultimately fail those principles. And for instance, I think, Sorry, continue. No, 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 you you go. For instance, she understands that only a Sith speaks in absolutes. And so perhaps the fundamental ideas of the Jedi shouldn't be absolutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, but that, ha- you know, having an appreciation for all living beings, having compassion, right. like these are good things. These are good principles, right? These are good things to practice. But that having these these arbitrary absolute rules that then stomp on someone else's absolutes it's like uh yeah uh, are are you guys really try living up to what you say you are because it feels like not so much yeah. and i think that's something that we can look at in our and re- you know in our uh the reality the one that you know the the world we live in and see that's something that i i wish people who had these ideas about various underlying principles that i think very often are good, compassionate, you know, just beneficial principles actually lived up to those principles a little bit better and and spent less time kind of coming up with arbitrary rules that kind of allegedly stem out of the principles, but I think usually let them down. Yeah. No, I, I, <clears throat> I think that's a great way of saying it. And and here again is my frustration. I, I know I'm talking about Last Jedi again because I because I think Last Jedi does such a good job. Whatever you think of Canto Bite and all that kind of stuff, and if you disagree with Luke, that's fine. But to me, the Last Jedi gets this part of it, you know. And Luke gives that wonderful speech about how the Jedi thought that the Jedi made the mistake of thinking that they were the Force, and I and I think right. and I think that's exactly what he's getting at is that the Jedi started to think that their rules were the same thing as the principles of the Force that they were supposed to be upholding. Um, yeah, exactly. And it, it, again, it, it 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 brings up to me all of my frustrations because I see such a through line between the questions that Anakin raises, leading to the questions that Ahsoka raises, leading to the questions that Luke raises, leading to where Rey winds up, kind of accepting that she's a Jedi, but but also doing something different, and then as you point out at the very beginning, quite literally taking lightsabers that are the color of Ahsoka's lightsabers. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I think that's. I hope that's intentional to show that through line, and I. I just wish the movies had been braver and able to say, yeah, she's not a Jedi. She's doing something different. 
Um, right, exactly. And I'm not sure they're exactly the same color. I think hers is like orange and Ahsoka's are more white, but they're they're possibly. thematically, you know, they're they're specifically different from the typical Jedi and Sith labor, you know, Jedi and Sith lightsaber <laughs> yes. colors. For anyone who's upset at our pronunciation, I challenge you to talk solidly for now coming up on um one hour and 40 minutes? A hundred minutes. Tell me how you're doing. About a hundred yeah, minutes. There we go. Yeah. I also like that you pronounced it pronunciation, I'm pretty sure. Because <laughs> that's, that's... If you're going to mess up a word talking about pronunciation, that's the one to yeah. mispronounce. Anyway. So, uh, fans, we've had a lot to say. We've had a lot to say. Would love to hear from you. Um, is Ahsoka one of your favorite characters? What do you think of her? How do you feel? What parts did we miss? Or is she not one of your favorite characters? Tell us why. If you haven't seen her or, or know much about her before and you loved seeing her in Mandalorian or just were confused seeing her in Mandalorian, what do you think of what we've had to say? What do you want to know more about? What, 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 what hooks you? What are your opinions and thoughts and all this? Definitely let us know. Best way to do all that is to go to all of our social media. You can find us on strandedpanda.com uh, and then click on the Star Wars Universe podcast icon. That'll give us our email, our Twitter, our Facebook. We respond to all of those. You can also join the Stranded Panda community on Facebook. Uh, and there we have a lot of great Facebook conversations about this. Great way to tell us your opinions. Great way to give us your feedback. But you can also just let us know in any of those other things. If you want, we'd be happy to discuss them on air. We're also happy not to. Whatever you want to do. Also, a great thing you can do for us right now is to help us get the word out by leaving a review. Um, give us a five-star review. Hopefully, if you think we deserve it. If not, give us what you think we deserve. Let us know how the podcast can be better. But certainly the more the more good reviews we get, the more people will find us on searches, the more people will enter this conversation, the more people become part of this community, and that's just fantastic for all of us. So um, <clears throat> there's also a lot of other great stuff happening on Stranded Panda. But first, Paul, I want to give you a chance to um, talk about what you're doing over at Zen Madman. Yeah, uh, I, I won't get into it too much right now. We talked a long time, but just find me at Zen Madman on Twitter, on Twitch, on YouTube, and uh, if you're interested in what I'm up to. Awesome, sounds good. Yeah, and I so I do a couple of other podcasts. I do Superhero Ethics, which Paul is often on, as well as some other great folks, uh, Matt Carroll, Jeff Randall, Ashley Coffin. I'm also very involved in the Pandavision podcast, which is where we dive deep on TV shows that don't have a full universe. Um, and starting in just a few weeks, we're going to be doing... Um, exploration of the new upcoming tv show the stand based on stephen king's book we already have a, a episode about the book that should be released pretty soon and ashley coffin and i were very brave and just for you the listener we watched every moment of the atrociously bad 1994 uh tv miniseries if you ever want to remember why we call this the golden age of television and that television used to be really bad watch the 1994 version of the stand because oh my god is it bad <laughs> But we talk about it for you, so you don't have to watch it. Uh, go over to Panavision. You'll be able to check all that out coming soon. And then starting in mid-December are episodes about uh, the Stan TV show. So thank you all so much. On behalf of myself, Paul, uh, all the other folks who can't be here with us today to discuss this, thank you so much. Have a great day.